Dear friends in Christ, uh, as I've been watching the news for the last week, the local news, there's been one headline news story that's been coming up. And uh, since I don't see any numbers on the front of your clothing, I assume you're not there right now. But uh, yeah, what's happening right now is that Bank of America Chicago Marathon. And it's the 45th running of that race. And the city expects that there's going to be more than 47,000 participants. And they come from all around the U.S. and even other nations of the world. And the goal of the marathon is to finish the 26.2 miles of that. And, you know, with maybe a, a personal best record. Or maybe just finishing that race just to do it. Well, there's a total of 27 participants also who are here from Kenya and Ethiopia. And they often produce the fastest times. And it was a runner from Kenya back in 2013 who set now, which is still the marathon record, of just under two hours and four minutes. Now, goals in running have always been a focus of anyone who's been serious about the sport. And there's a word called inconceivable. And that word is the word of which people talk about in not running a marathon, but running the mile in less than four minutes. And sports commentators, they claim that it simply couldn't be done. Physiologists who study the body, they believe that the human body and mind would rise up and rebel against the strain of such a race. And the four-minute mile, it came to be really a barrier that no human could ever be able to break. Well, then in the spring of 1954, almost 70 years ago now, Roger Bannister, he stepped onto the track. He was a British medical student, and he was a runner from the Amateur Athletic Association, and a young man absolutely determined to break this barrier. And Bannister knew that many outstanding runners had attempted to you know, reach that goal, including one runner who missed it by a mere second and a half. And Bannister, he was not allowed, he was not going to allow that four-minute threshold to intimidate him. So on a cold and windy day over in Oxford, England, there were about 3,000 people in the stands watching him, and the race was carefully planned. And Bannister was being helped by two other runners who acted as pacemakers, Chris Brasher and Chris Chathaway. And as they began the race, Brasher took the lead and Bannister fell behind with Chataway running in third place. And when Brasher began to wear out in that lead, Bannister called for Chataway to take over. And then just about 200 yards from the finish, well, Bannister exploded into first place with a burst of energy. And he sprinted to the finish line and collapsed in the arms of a minister friend named Nicholas Stacy. And Bannister said, it was only then that real pain overtook me. I felt like an exploded flashlight with no will to live. And there was a hush that came over the crowd as the announcer had read Bannister's time. And he said, three minutes, 59 seconds. And in an instant, there was pandemonium, of course, because the crowd realized they had just witnessed the greatest feat in the history of the mile. In three minutes and 59 seconds, Roger Bannister had broken an unbreakable record and ran for what came to be known as the Miracle Mile.
Now, we can relate to Bannister and others who thought that a four-minute mile was impossible because we know that we have our own impossible four-minute miles. Think about it. What personal goals do you have that just seem to be perhaps attractive or alluring? Maybe they're exciting or enticing, but yet at the same time they're elusive and they're maybe what we would say inconceivable. Is it getting over bitterness and disappointment? Is it having a heart to really love your enemies? Or is it finding strength in the midst of constant pain? Perhaps it's forgetting the past you're trying to do and moving forward with the present. Is it working on a marriage? Or maybe even just learning how to live with your, within your financial means. The Apostle Paul, for a particular time, you know, he also had a four-minute mile in mind. And that was the goal of knowing Christ and also the power of Christ's resurrection. And Paul was so committed to attaining this goal that he threw himself completely into the race. And he said this, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Did he achieve his goal? Well, there was no doubt about it. And so can we. And we know that the good news for us today is that we can run a miracle mile. And the word in the Greek for pursue or strain that's there is dioko. And it means to follow with haste and presumably with intensity of effort in order to catch up with, to run after, to chase after, to pursue. And if I were to ask you, you know, if you had looked at 2023 this year, and if you had thought about what you had planned for that, how many of you would have said that that was your number one goal? How many of you have said that's your only goal? It's interesting how Paul describes this here. And that's what started him on his journey. You know, we want to really read it slowly and think about it. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It's a physical picture. Someone taking hold of something. I want to get my hands around it. Get a grip on it. Don't let go of it. You know, it's kind of a neat picture when you think of what Jesus did with Paul. You know, Paul was on the way to Damascus, and Paul thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting these Christians and throwing them into prison and even having some killed, perhaps. And Jesus confronts him on that way. And Jesus grabs hold of Paul, and he turns Paul around, basically a 180-degree turn. And he grabs Paul not with physical hands, but with grace and mercy and forgiveness. And as a result, he wraps him with the cross of Christ. And from that point on, Paul had a new goal. He wanted to know Christ. He wanted to spread that name of Christ everywhere. He wanted to die with Christ. And he went from hunting Christians to really seeking Christ with intensity, with that straining pursuing. And Paul wouldn't quit until he reached that goal. Now, you might not think like this, but God grabbed hold of you in your baptism. He's the one who did something powerful to you and also in you. 
He gave you his spirit. He united you with Jesus Christ. He washed away all your sin. And he put you to death with Jesus and raised you with him to live a new life now for him. He's the one who gave you worth. He is the one who gave you meaning. You know, think of Noah and his family as they're there on the ark. You know, how that would have changed their lives forever. God had wiped away all of humanity. And yet, he had chosen those eight people and saved them. And as the waters receded and they began, you know, humanity over, basically, you know, it was a whole new world to them. And so that's what it's meant to happen to you and me and in our life, too. God grabs hold of us. He's the one who puts us to death and gives us that new life. He changes our focus. He points our eyes heavenward. And we know that we realize our world is going to be passing away. And we grab hold of this in faith because it's a great determination for us to take part here in the resurrection to eternal life that we look forward to. That is our goal, our finish line. So let's begin by learning some tips by Paul and also Roger, the runner, and then take these insights of how we can use those in our own personal races. If we begin to think like runners, we're going to develop some daily practices that, and disciplines, and they can really help us to move even closer to achieving our first personal goals. And that first tip, let go of the attitude that can distract us, the ones that can depress us or even destroy us as we run that race that lies before us. For Roger Bannister, well, that meant rejecting the idea that, you know, running a mile in less than four minutes, that that was inconceivable. For the Apostle Paul, that meant tossing away his old way of religious thinking, you know, thinking as a Jew, a Pharisee, as he said he was in that epistle reading. Why? Well, because he discovered that it was all trash. It was loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. And for us, we know destructive attitudes that can include the fear that maybe we really can't manage a meaningful career or be successful in our marriage or maybe even just to build bonds with small groups in the church. And when we encounter those types of attitudes, well, we need to consider them as rubbish as well and just know that they can get in the way of our achieving our goal. Knowing Christ, that's the greatest gain. There's all too many people that today, they, they put their promises or their trust, excuse me, in the promises of the world. And the world can only deliver promises. We find, too, that the world very seldom delivers. Most often, the world takes away from us rather than adds to our own gain. But that's not so with our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one who God in his grace called us out of darkness to the glory of his own gospel. Our inheritance is guaranteed. Paul says, now therefore is in store for me, as he speaks to Timothy, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. We look forward to Christ's return. 
And on that last day, we will see Jesus face to face with our new resurrected bodies. The second running tip is to train over time. Stick to a schedule. You know, Bannister didn't just all of a sudden decide, I'm going to do this. He spent years and many times of just going through a disciplined way to prepare himself for that miracle mile. And being a competitive runner here for years, and in those weeks prior to that record setting, his training, it really increased in intensity. It was one that every day for one half hour during his medical school lunch break, he would run 10 quarter-mile races at a pace of 59 seconds each time. And he took breaks of only two minutes between each of those races. He didn't take like a leisurely lunch break after doing some and then going back to it. That's the same kind of discipline that we're challenged to show too. As we pursue perhaps professional goals, maybe they're social ones, spiritual, personal, whatever they are. But by doing things a little at a time, we can do those week in and week out. We can reach the point to where we can achieve our goal with some very significant objectives. And this may mean that you know, we will have a specific time each day to spend with God, to be in his word. We'll have a, a program of devotional reading that we set up that includes portions of the Bible. And it means, too, that we will have decided maybe how we'll spend our time in the car during our morning commute as we're watching traffic and also maybe speaking to God as well. Don't close your eyes when you're driving and pray to him that way. Okay, Not good. It means that we'll have a strategy for prayer and also the need for praying for others and really helping others in a variety of ways. That's going to inspire us as well. It's going to enable us to do this, to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. A third tip is this. Expect bad days. We know that every runner knows that some of that training, those days, they can really feel awful. And as an athlete, you have to put up with those bad days and try to put them behind you, too. Will we face injuries? Well, there's no doubt about that. Gossip and unfair criticism, they can cause terrible pain at work, in social circles, when we're with people. Maybe it's even on social media. And even, perhaps, in the Christian community. Will we have setbacks? Well, we certainly will. It'd be wonderful if, you know, in your work that your promotions were always on schedule or perhaps relationships were marked with nothing but peace and joy and harmony and that churches never lost members or there was never division in churches. It'd be great. But we know that disappointment, pain, and conflict, they're a, day, they're a daily part of our race. Fortunately, God has given us what we need. And we know that he will not let us be tempted beyond our strength. And he says, and even when you're tempted there in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, I'll be with you. I will get you through it. So we're not alone. And that brings us to that last training tip. Don't run alone. 
Notice that Roger Bannister, he didn't let that miracle mile happen by himself. He was assisted by pacemakers Chris Brasher and Chris Chataway. They ran with him. They inspired him in that race. And they also enabled him to set an amazing world record. That's the function of the body of Christ, who we are. You know, we're the pacemakers for race makers. We call out and we watch out. We step out and we even reach out for each other. We know that we can't do this alone. And in the end, the spiritual miracle mile that we know of, you know, that's really what matters most. World records, they're the ones that are, you know, remarkable for sure. But we know, too, that they rarely last very long, and certainly not forever. Roger Bannister's record, you know, that took so many years to finally happen, someone else broke his record six weeks after he did. So much for Roger. And since then, the time has constantly dropped. And the current record was set in 1999, and that's still holding It was an athlete from Morocco who ran it in 3 minutes and 43 seconds. The most important race that we'll ever run, we know, is the one that ends in eternal life and a resurrected life with Christ. And straining forward to what lies ahead, we're challenged to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, to trust him to show us the way to go. Paul says that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which was through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. It is our faith that gets us across that finish line. And faith, combined with good training and the support of our fellow runners along the way, that's going to propel us over that finish line to that eternal and resurrected life. It's a miracle mile, but we know that really there's nothing inconceivable about it. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.